0: We're, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started uh, this series, which is uh, uh, called uh, Each One Reach One. And uh, like the person in the cartoon, you might think, oh no, not another uh, bright new idea. Uh, well, actually, this isn't really a new idea. Uh, this is as old as the story of the Bible itself, because uh, since... Uh, certainly since Jesus' day. This is what the disciples have been doing, trying to reach people. But this was our theme for the church weekend. And uh, uh, we had a great time at the church weekend. Uh, we shared great fellowship together, food and, uh, and fun. This is uh, Ian trying to get a tune out of the congregation. Uh, this is some dodgy guy doing a bit of magic. Uh, but there was a serious aspect as well to the fun and fellowship and um, food in that we were thinking about how we can reach people uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh, I thought this slogan was quite helpful each one reach one and uh, you'll remember this I've used this uh, circle before that uh, the idea is that we've, we're trying to get people in, from the community into the crowd from the crowd into the congregation and from the congregation into the committed and the committed to the core that's what we're trying to do we're trying to help people uh, to find Jesus and uh, on the church weekend I gave everybody uh, a paper plate um, and I called it paper plate evangelism and what are these, these are some of the paper plates for you so what, I, what I said is put yourself in the middle and draw these circles of people that you come into contact on a regular basis and that's what people did everybody did it and then I said pray over these plates pray over these plates and see if one or two names, if God puts one or two of those names on your heart. And we drew up all these names. And uh, we've got about 60 names of people that we said that we would pray for. Uh, and that we would try and reach these people with the good news. And if you want a plate and a sticker because you want to uh, enter into this exercise that we did on church weekend. Because the idea of this series is want to, to spread out. Then you can have a paper plate and you can have a sticker. And we can add names to that list of people that we're going to pray for I mean, when we when to church meets to pray on a Saturday morning or house groups. We want people to be praying uh for this list of people. Uh under this banner and slogan that each one can reach one. Uh last a couple of weeks ago we started a series and it was Ascension today. Very impressed that you knew it was Trinity Sunday. Uh it would have been even more impressive if you'd have explained to people uh what the Trinity was, that would have been really impressive. Uh, but we'll leave that to the professionals, eh? <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was Ascension Sunday. And uh, we were thinking that the Ascension focuses our attention on mission, that the Ascension gives our direction for mission, and that the Ascension reminds us of our provision for mission in the Holy Spirit. And uh, this week, we're carrying on with this uh, series, Each One Reach One, and we're thinking about mission that goes... Through the roof. Mission that goes through the roof. That's uh, our theme for this morning. And we're looking of course at that passage in Mark uh, chapter 2 which was so lovely read to us uh, by Harriet where Jesus heals this paralytic man. But it begins with uh, friends. This is the first thing I want to say. Friends that go through the roof. Friends. That are prepared to go through the roof. We read that uh, some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by the four of them. Wouldn't you love to know the back story behind these four guys? Wouldn't you love to know what was it that that made these four guys decide that they were going to bring their mate who was a paralytic to Jesus? Uh, you know who were these four guys were they family members were they members of a local synagogue uh, were they people that had, had, had been around Jesus and seen what Jesus were able to do we don't know who these guys were they're not even named but what we do know is that they cared enough for their friend who was in a bit of a bad way uh, more than in a bit of a bad way he couldn't walk he was a paralytic they decided that they were going to bring him to Jesus Friends like that are worth having, aren't they? I wonder if you, whether you've got friends that would go through the roof for you. I wonder whether you are a friend to somebody else that you would go through the roof for them. I wonder what sort of friends we have and what sort of friends we are. So they decide that they're going to bring their friend to Jesus. That's what they decide to do, and they get him, and they, they carry him on, on the mat. And can you imagine their disappointment when they get to where Jesus' house is, where the house where Jesus is at, and there was crowds of people gathering. A bit like you know in, in Rio de Janeiro at the moment, you couldn't move for people gathering because something spectacular was happening. And these were friends that were prepared to go through the roof. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus. Imagine their disappointment. Since they could not get him to Jesus. Mark 2 verse 4 says, so we'll try again tomorrow. Is that what they said? No. No. Since they could not get him to Jesus, they said, let's give up and and go home. Is that what they did? You know... I've met so many people in, in church life who, who've said, you know, somebody comes up with an idea uh, for outreach, for evangelism. And they say, oh, we've tried that. It didn't work. Uh, we're not going to try it again. These friends, uh, things that impress me about these friends is they didn't give up. They didn't say, oh, we, we've tried, we've done our best. They were prepared to do something unusual. They could not get into Jesus So they made an opening in the roof. Let me tell you, this isn't the sort of thing that normally happened in first century Palestine. This wasn't the normal way that you entered a house. It was just like our houses, you entered through the front door, or maybe the back door, or the side door. You didn't normally come in through the roof. This was as shocking and as surprising as it would be today if as I I was preaching suddenly somebody started to make a hole in the roof and plaster started to fall down and uh, we would all look up. Let me tell you, I've I've preached in a church where that nearly happened. The first church I was at in in Burnley, it was Mount Pleasant, some of you might know it, uh, near the town centre and uh, to get into the pulpit you you literally needed a hard hack because the ceiling was basically falling in there was a section cordoned off that that plaster regularly fell into so a bit of plaster falling wasn't that unusual but let me tell you uh, in most circumstances, in most cases when the plaster starts falling and somebody appears uh, in the roof it's an unusual situation these friends cared so much about their friend they were going to do you know Anything. The crowd's too huge. You guys should totally lower your friend through the roof. Somebody had that bright idea. Somebody had that bright idea. We're not going to give up. We're not going to give up on our friend. We're going to take our friend to see Jesus. Friends that go through the roof. How far would you go to get your friends to Jesus? How far would you go to get your friends to Jesus? How hard do you try to get your friends to Jesus? Do you try to bring your friends to Jesus? Some people think evangelism is just for those... I mean, Barber's kind of... Uh, it's interesting that it says we'll leave it to the professionals. Sometimes, that's what people think about evangelism. We'll leave it to the professionals. I it was even in one church when they said... When we talked about evangelism and somebody said, Well, that's your job. That's what we employ you to do, to evangelise people. Uh, we're not gifted or able to do that. That's why we need a professional. Let me tell you something. We are all called to be evangelists. We are all called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And we are all called to bring others... To Jesus. The only way the church will grow. It isn't rocket science. We can come up with all sorts of gimmicks and ideas, but basically, if we don't bring people to hear the gospel preached, then people will not come to Jesus. They won't come on their own. We need to bring them. Susanna was talking about how, you know, some people feel awkward about going, Christians feel awkward going to another church. Uh, let me tell you, people that aren't Christians, people that don't normally go to church, are terrified about walking through those, those doors. They're not going to walk in on their own. We have to bring them. We have to invite them. We have to care enough about their condition to believe that Jesus can do something to help them. Just as these poor friends were prepared to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. They were prepared To do something that was probably illegal and could get them into trouble. But they cared so much about their friend that they were prepared to break through the roof. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't mind some friends like that. Who were prepared to go through the roof for me. And I want to be a friend like that. That will go through the roof for my friends. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. So that's the first thing. Friends that go through the roof that's our challenge that we are to be those people to our friends that we will do whatever it takes to get them into a situation where they will meet Jesus let me tell you something that will help you in evangelism it is not your responsibility to actually bring somebody to faith is that not a relief we can't do it. Only Jesus can do that. Only the Holy Spirit working in somebody. What we can do is we can bring them into a situation where that might happen. That's our job. Friends that go through the roof. That's the first thing I want to say. And then I want to talk about uh, faith that goes through the roof. Do you notice their Faith. Do you notice their faith? Well, Jesus certainly did. He uh, he noticed their faith. In fact, uh, he pointed out, doesn't he? When Jesus saw their faith. Don't know about you, but I think he's talking about the four guys. He saw the faith of these four men. He looks up at the roof. Everybody else is shocked and horrified. I reckon Jesus was smiling. He was smiling because he saw that these four people had had used their imagination, they'd used their initiative. They weren't going to let anything stop them bringing their friend to Jesus. He saw their faith. Because these people really believed that bringing their friend to Jesus would make a difference in his life. I wonder whether that's actually what puts us off inviting and bringing our friends. Do we actually believe that if our friends came to Jesus, that their lives would be a lot better? Do we actually believe that? Do we know that our lives, you know, uh, Barbara talked about when she introduced that song, you know, Thank You For Saving Me, that that was her experience. That God had saved her. Is that our experience? Has God saved us and has it made such a difference that we think everybody else needs to have This fantastic thing called faith in Jesus Christ that I've got. Or is it just a a small part of our lives that's not really that relevant and not really worth talking about? The fact that the friends, their friend couldn't walk didn't stop them from getting him to Jesus. They carried him. The fact that the crowd blocked their access to Jesus didn't stop them. They went around the crowd. The fact that the roof in the house lay between their friend and Jesus didn't stop them. They removed it. What are the obstacles we need to remove to get our friends to Jesus? Are the things that need to be removed so that we can bring our friends to Jesus? Bill Hybels, in his book, Just Walk Across the Room, we studied it a couple of years ago, says, I really believe the saving message of Jesus Christ. I don't just preach it. I honestly believe that every wayward person I know would live a vastly better life if God's love, grace and redemption were operating in their lives. Do you believe this too? Do you believe this too? These four friends believed it. And their faith was seen not in just what they said they believed, in what they did. Faith, James says, without actions, without works, is dead. We can say, you know, sometimes people when they're trying to convince me in an argument about what they believe, they say, but Richard, I really, 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 really believe this. As if you put so many reals in front of it, it, it makes a difference. Well, live it out in your life if you believe it. Show people in the way that you live that this is what you believe. We can all talk about what we believe, but it's how we live that will affect the people around us. If they see in us something so remarkable, so different, something that they want, if they just see us as a, a bit religious and quirky and odd, they're not gonna want what we've got. The four friends, uh, had a faith that went through the roof. A faith that meant that they were determined to bring their friend into the presence of Jesus. They weren't going to let anything get in their way. We let all sorts of things get in our way. Sometimes it's it's little things that get in our way, isn't it? It's oh, I've not got the time. I've, uh, I'll, 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 I'll do it another day. Sometimes it's it's, it's the fact that we think, oh, well, our friends won't be interested. They're not, they're not religious. They won't be interested in, in coming to a church service. They won't be interested in, in in what we're doing. We let all sorts of things stop us inviting and bringing our friends to Jesus. These four friends didn't. Their faith was lived out in their actions. They were prepared to take risks. And whenever we invite somebody to start to share our, our faith, we're taking a risk. We're perhaps stepping out of our comfort zone. And taking that risk to share what we believe is a life-changing. We sang in a song, you know, broken lives are being made new. That's what we believe that Jesus can do. He can make something new out of a broken life. And we need to believe it for our friends and not just for ourselves. So it's a, it's a friends that go through the roof, it's a faith that goes through the roof. And then thirdly and finally, I want to talk about forgiveness that goes through the roof. Forgiveness that goes through the roof. He said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. Anybody surprised by that? Do you think these four friends brought their friend to Jesus because they thought that this man needs his sins to be forgiven? Is that why they brought him to Jesus? Anybody surprised that that's what Jesus says? Well, let me tell you, some people in the room were were, were very surprised. Uh, in fact, they weren't just surprised; they were uh, a little bit tad a, a tad little bit annoyed uh, that Jesus was doing this. Um, is this story uh, in Mark chapter two is it about healing, or is it about forgiveness? Or is it about both? Of course, there, is a, there, is a, 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 there was a tradition in Judaism where, that linked sin uh, with illness. You remember in, in John chapter 9 when uh, Jesus heals the man that was born blind and the disciples say to him, was it this man who sinned or, he, or his father that made this man blind? So they did make this link between sin and illness. And uh, Jesus in John 9 corrects them by saying, no, this... Man was born blind so that God could be glorified. Um, so, it is an odd one. And there are a group of people there who are not happy. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They say. Who can forgive sins but God alone? These were the teachers of the law. These were the people that knew what the word of God said. And of course, they are absolutely right. Their theology is absolutely correct. Nobody can forgive sins except for God. They weren't wrong. But they were annoyed that this teacher from Galilee was saying that he could forgive sins. It rattled their cane. Has anybody ever said anything that rattles your cage? Why are you all looking at me? (laughs) I hope I have said stuff that rattles your cage. I hope I have said stuff that makes you think. I hope I have said stuff that makes you wonder whether I know what I'm talking about. Because Jesus certainly rattled their cage. Their theology was correct, but they were wrong in this situation now I meet a lot of people who are well versed in scripture mainly in the church sometimes out of the church I meet a lot of people who are very well versed in scripture and they're so well versed in scripture that they will never admit that they are wrong about anything because they think they've got the last word on what the bible says Passages like this make me stop and think, hey, I might have not got everything right. Maybe sometimes I get things wrong. Because Jesus here, he's not just making a hole in the roof of their theology. He's bringing the house down on what they believe. You see, there was a system that people had to go for forgiveness that the teachers the law and the Pharisees, you had to go to the temple. You had to see the priest. The priest had to go through a sacrificial system for somebody to be forgiven. There was a system. And Jesus is saying, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, but, 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 you can't do that. You can't say that. He was blowing a great big hole in their theology. There was an opportunity here for them to, to rethink what they had long held and believed. We don't like doing that. Because most of us have believed what we believe since probably we were quite small. And if you haven't changed what you believe as you've got older, then let me tell you something. You're not growing in your faith. If you believe exactly what you believed the moment when you were saved, then your faith hasn't grown. It stayed exactly where it was. Some people are frightened. Of changing what they believe because you feel like you're taking away, you're pulling the carpet from under them and it's like there'll be nothing there. That isn't faith that's built on a strong foundation. If somebody can pull the carpet from under you, if they argue about something that you've long held as a belief, that's not a strong faith if somebody can do that to you. It's a, a weak and a childish faith. These people were not weak and childish in their faith. They were arrogant. They thought they knew the word of God. More than this teacher from Galilee. And we all know that Jesus couldn't be wrong. Tom Wright says, we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus' unexpected declaration of forgiveness sent shot waves through the house. The hole in the roof was nothing compared with the hole he was tearing through an entire way of life that was built around the temple and the priest and the sacrificial system. Jesus was making a great big hole In everything that they held dearly. Forgiveness that goes through the roof. Why are you thinking these things? Well we know why they were thinking these things. Because that's what they believe. That's why they were thinking these things. So Jesus says to them. Which is easier? To say to the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven. Or to say get up. Take your mat and walk. We're in a Baptist church. In a Baptist church, we like to vote about things, don't we? So we're going to have a bit of a vote. If you think it is easier for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven, I'd like you to put your hands up. If you think it's easier for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven. Okay, do you think that's the easier of the two? Put your hands up. Okay? You're worried, aren't you? You're worried now, aren't you? you can't get this wrong I'm just asking you what you think do you think it was easier to say your sins are forgiven or easier to say get up take your mat and go home which do you think easier sins forgiven hands up easier to say sins forgiven 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 19 can somebody remember that remember that Peter 19 Okay. easier to say you know get up take your mat and go home do you think it's easier Anyone going for that? One, two, three, four, five. Have I got that right? One, two. Keep your hands up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, seven. Uh, Those that wish to abstain, mustn't forget the abstainers or not sure. Put your hands up. That's those who haven't put their hand up. Okay. (laughs) One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, seven, eight. Okay, not sure. Okay. But most of you think it was easier to say your sins are forgiven. I actually think you're right, because it seems to me that's the argument Jesus is using for the Pharisees, because he's saying, uh, you know, which is easier. And so I think that that's what Jesus is implying. But I also think those that put your hand up and said, which is easier, uh, I'm not sure it is actually easier. Because, as the Pharisees rightly point out, only God can forgive sins. Jesus was going to be able to forgive sins and could forgive sins, because Of what he was going to do on the cross. He was going to take all the sin of the world upon himself. That is not an easy task. That isn't an easy task. And there's a sense in which other people in Jesus' time and in our time go around and claim to be able to heal people. That's not unique. Other religions have religious healers in. It is not a unique thing. Other people are able to heal. Only God can forgive sins. So I'm saying you, 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 you're both right, really. Uh, the sense in which Jesus seems to be implying that, you know, I'm going to prove to you uh, that the Son of Man has authority. He's going to prove it by doing a miracle. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. It's a fascinating piece of scripture, isn't it? Because, like I said, is this about healing? Is it about Jesus' authority? Is it about forgiveness? Jesus wants these people to know that He has authority to forgive sins. And so to prove it, He's going to heal this man. Now, I, I, I've got a mind that thinks like this, you just have to go with me. You know, I'm thinking, gosh, if they'd have all said, you know, started applauding when the man's sins were forgiven and throwing a party and, and, and jumping up and saying, hallelujah, would Jesus have left the man on the mat or would he have not had to do it? Was he only doing it to prove his authority as a son of man? Could go into the son of man in Daniel, but we haven't got time to do that. But was he doing that? Makes you think, doesn't it? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Jesus does have the authority to forgive sins. I can say with absolute confidence I really 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 believe this folks <laughs> if that helps you uh, that anybody who confesses their sins can be forgiven I don't doubt that that's anybody anybody whatever they've done this is the gospel when it comes to healing I've got to be honest and say I'm not quite as confident in that I don't, I'm not not confident in the fact that God can heal I believe that God can heal. Um, but it seems to me uh, you know with nearly 20 years of ministry that the healing thing is uh, is a little bit more messy some people seem to get healed and some people don't some people don't admit that some people don't get healed they try, to, they try to say well if you have enough faith or if the person had enough faith then they would get well but it seems to me that it's not clear it's a bit like the Trinity um, I'm glad I'm not preaching on the Trinity this morning <laughs> but it seems to me healing is in that kind of mystery of God that we don't really understand. There'll be those people that stand here in other places and say, you know, healing's there and available and free. All you've got to do is ask and, and you will receive. Uh, I wish it was so. Uh, I will be prepared to pray for anybody. I do pray for people that are, are sick and, and in a bad way. And I pray for healing. Uh, but I can't guarantee it. That's not my role. That's not my position. I cannot guarantee it. I can only leave it in the hands of God. I can tell people that if they ask God to forgive them, that it's a sealed deal, that Jesus sealed it on the cross, that there is no question. Some people struggle. Some people think they've done things that are so bad that God can't possibly forgive them. It seems to me that the Bible is absolutely crystal clear that if you ask for forgiveness, then the answer is yes, you are forgiven. So we can bring our friends to Jesus in great confidence that he will be able to mend their broken lives. And yes, sometimes, hallelujah, he also brings health. But it seems to me that Jesus is more concerned, we sang about it, we thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. That Jesus' mission to the world was to restore a broken relationship between mankind and God. And if one or two people get healed on the way, hallelujah. But it seems to me that that actually wasn't the most important thing. That actually the most important thing was that Jesus' mission, when he said it's finished, it's because he was hanging on the cross, dying, so that our sins could be forgiven. That's what he came to do. That's what he came to do. Tom Wright again says, forgiveness is the most powerful thing in the world, but because it is so costly, we prefer to second, settle for second best. It costs God Everything remember we said whatever it takes we've got a friend who's prepared not only to go through the roof he came to earth he broke through that roof that atmosphere and he came to earth and he died because he was prepared to do whatever it took to bring people into a relationship with God forgiveness that goes through the roof this amazed everybody this is after the man is healed they're amazed by the healing and why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be a man that's been paralysed since birth, is suddenly able to walk and pick up his mat? You would be amazed, I would be amazed. And they say, we've never seen anything like it. Beryl said, I, I, I couldn't dance because of the flowers, but whenever I read this passage, we've never seen anything like it, I want to break into a song and dance. Anybody seen the Dr. Dolittle film? Oh, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen it. I don't think he's talking about healing. I think it's talking about a two-headed alarm or something. But uh, um, we've never seen anything like this. But those words that the crowd speak are quite important. Because Jesus was doing something new. They hadn't seen anything like it. They hadn't seen anybody who was able to forgive sins because only God could forgive sins. The teachers of the law told them that. They hadn't seen anybody like this before in their lives who had power and authority over sin, over death, over sickness, over evil. They had never seen anything like it. And when they did, their response was amazement. It was awe. It was worship. The risk of bringing our friends is worth it. It's worth going through the roof. Because our friends might just respond like this. And say, wow. We've never seen anything like this. This God, we didn't know he was like this. We thought God was against us. And we found out he's for us. We thought God could never forgive our sins. We thought we were lost. And Jesus seems to be saying... He's for us. He can forgive us. And in some cases, he can bring healing. We've never seen anything like it. I'm glad you healed because I'm going to need help fixing that roof. Well, I tell you, that roof couldn't be fixed. Oh, the roof on the house could be fixed. But what Jesus had done could not be fixed because he was doing something new. He was bringing in a new era of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was coming close. And what Jesus did, there was no going back. This was the new way. And that's why people left Judaism and became Christians. Because God in Jesus was doing something new. It was a new covenant that he was making. Throughout the Bible, we've got this list of covenants that God makes. It stopped with Jesus because that was the covenant where Jesus Blood was spilled to make that new covenant. So that everybody could enter into a relationship with Jesus. And each one of us can reach one person. We can pray for one person. We can invite one person. In the hope that they too might say, we've never seen anything like this. Will you fill a plate in? Will you pray for one person? Will you take the risk? Will you go through the roof for your friends? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We are amazed at what you were prepared to do for us. We thank you that you were prepared to go to the cross and die so that we could receive that forgiveness. Help us to be brave and courageous like those four men as we seek to bring people to Jesus. Help us to get over the obstacles that sometimes get in our way. Help us to be able to share our faith and demonstrate our faith through the lives that we lead. Father God, we are surrounded by people that are broken, by people that are so desperate for your touch and the change that you can bring into lives. Help us to reach out to the broken, to the grieving, to the lost. Father God, we pray today, especially for those who are lost. Friends, family members, We don't just want to write their names on a piece of paper. We want their names to be written in the book of life. And we're going to pray for those friends. And we're going to do whatever it takes to bring them to you. Father God, we pray for people whose lives are broken and need mending. We continue to pray for Dave. And we pray that you'll continue to work that healing process in his life. We do pray that when he gets the results, it will be good news. We continue to pray for Tom and Louise and Shelby. Father God, would you continue to minister to them in their grief? Would you uphold them, especially this Tuesday as the funeral service takes place for Leah? Would you just surround them with your love and your care and help us as a fellowship to go through the roof for them? Father God, we thank you that we had friends that were prepared to bring us to Jesus and help us to be friends like that. We pray today on Father's Day for fathers. Pray for those who are thinking of dads that are no longer with them. Pray for those whose fathers whose dads are in poor health or struggling. We pray for those fathers who are separated from their loved ones. Father God, would you restore those relationships in Jesus' name, we pray. And so we bring these prayers in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen. There are people who would love to pray with you after this service, if you uh, feel that that would be helpful, if you make your way to the front, people would be very happy to pray with you and to share with you. But we're going to conclude our service this morning by singing our closing hymn.